14th, and welcome back to another episode of Kentucky Politics Weekly. Uh, I'm your host, Trey Watson, joined as always by Tom Stevens. Tom, how are you doing, buddy? I'm delightful, sir. How are you? Uh, very glad that we're, we look, look like maybe we're finally hitting spring out here. It's supposed to be 80 degrees in a couple of days. Yeah, it was awesome when I walked outside earlier. It really it feels like uh, summer's on the way. I, I told my wife it was perfect golf weather this morning. If only I could get out and play golf. But uh, we are we are joined today by our by our old friend uh, Stephanie Seitzer Holscher. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I've been cooking up a storm this morning. Yeah, I, I know, uh, and we'll kind of get into what's what you've been up to. Uh, you know, obviously we you and I talk fairly often, and uh, you're a, a frequent Facebook poster of your activities mm-hmm. with with your two girls. So uh, how's how, how how have you all been uh, been dealing the last couple of weeks? You know, like I think for everyone else, it's a roller coaster. Uh, the The last week when it, you know, we had this cold snap has been brutal. Uh, Shorten our outdoor time made me incredibly grumpy. The girls very grumpy. Just felt it was just really depressing. It felt like we were like moving backwards in time or something. And um, but you know, I've I've kind of leaned into it. Um, the girls and I. You know, we have a lot of fun. We do a lot of art projects and, you know, so it's just, uh, we're hanging in there. Um, some days are good. Some days are bad. Yeah, the, the last couple of days, about five o'clock at night, uh, it's, it's been rainy and cold. It, about five o'clock at night, it's like we have like two feral wild animals running around the house because the boys haven't been outside all day and they got pent up energy and, you know, mom mom gets home from work and they they are just like, sprinting around the house swinging things at each other it is it it is a disaster zone yeah you know i'm fortunate the girls are old enough that they can play together but it doesn't mean they they always do it well um and they have i think gotten tired of each other and uh i've noticed the the sniping at each other has 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 really gone gone up lately um but you know we're we're I was home with them anyway, as you know, you know, I work from home and consulted from home and I sent them to a toddler program half days. So I got a little bit of break that I don't get now. Uh, but not a ton really changed for us, um, in that regard. Yeah. You know, I, obviously, you know, I, I've been fortunate that we can, we can have a babysitter so I can actually do work during the day. Cause it's just, you know, and my, my oldest, it, he, he, he's essentially a teenager. I mean, he can manage for himself. But. <laughs> Keegan, the youngest, I mean, it's it's hard work to keep him from like running through a plate glass window or ripping yeah. ripping shelves off the wall or things like things of that nature. Um, so what? Uh, I know you and your husband are voracious uh, consumers of uh, streaming services and streaming broadcasts. What the what what have, what have you all been watching the last couple of weeks that you can recommend? Oh man, I'm so embarrassed and ashamed to have to admit this. Peppa Pig. Uh, You're not recommending Peppa Pig, are you? Well, we consume a lot of Peppa Pig. My kids <laughs> now basically can do the Peppa Pig accent. Um, no, we got sucked into that stupid, cheesy teen beach drama called Outer Banks. <laughs> oh, and, oh and I saw somebody bitching about that on Facebook. It's called Outer Banks, but it's filmed in South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so cheesy, but I can't look away. Is it like Dawson's Creek type type stuff? Yes, but with a murder mystery sort of <laughs> entwined in it. Um, it's so cheap. Hey, Casey killed somebody. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, and there's, 
and there's some like class division issues the rich kids at the beach versus the poor kids the rich kids are called the kooks the poor kids are the pogues you know pogues for life it's it is beyond ridiculous i can't believe i've 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 spent time in my life watching this i'm really kind of embarrassed by this but it's addicting it's addicting i never got into tiger king but but this show yeah it sucked me in I, i'm just excited for tomorrow uh the, the the great comes out on hulu which looks awesome uh it, it looks really funny uh i'm looking forward to that and, and we still have the the new kimmy schmidt thing that came out of the interactive movie uh i think we're gonna watch that tomorrow night as well and my, my, my boys are excited because the new Scooby-Doo movie that was supposed to come out in the theaters is releasing <laughs> digitally tomorrow. Uh, so my two boys are, are extremely, every, every day this week, is, is the Scooby-Doo movie out today? Nobody's. That's fine. great. Right. Is that, uh, that going to cost me nineteen ninety five when my child insists that I have to get it? I believe it, I believe it will. And then uh, a reoccurring right. nineteen ninety five every two days when you have to watch it on repeat. That's, I asked my wife, was this like the old days? Can I hook up a VCR and like tape it? <laughs> I don't know if that still works. <laughs> Pull the Betamax out of the attic and fire I, it up. I, I have a VCR in the basement purely because I have the pre-special edition version of Star Wars, all, all, all three of them on VHS. I got to have something to watch those on every now and then. <laughs> uh, what have you, have you, have you had any time other than children's books to, uh, to read anything good, Stephanie? Yeah, I did. Um, I uh, borrowed from my good buddy, Scott White, uh, big lawyer in town, used to work uh, for Ben Chandler in the AG's office. Uh, he and I swapped books and movies. Uh, he, I, he loaned me Lost Children Archive, which, um, you know, it was, it was way outside of my comfort uh, zone for literary styles i'd never read anything like it it was it was really weird um but it was it was okay um it was it was obama's one of it made his like favorite book list last year it's won a bunch of prizes uh but right now i'm really really excited um i've tried to uh, uh bring resuscitate back to life our uh our LBA book club, our ladies book club with a book, um, a friend of mine, a former journalist I worked with years ago in Cincinnati. Um, she published her first book two, two days ago is when it officially came out. It's called Braver Than You Think. Um, it's basically about her um, travels and adventures around the world while her mother was um, diagnosed with early uh, and very rapid onset Alzheimer's. And she was basically trying to do her, her mother's bucket list of adventures. And um, so I'm really excited. I started reading that the other day. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm going to try not to consume it too quickly because I don't think that the book club will be ready to, to have a little chat. But the author has offered to, you know, do a Zoom chat. She's really heartbroken, you know, so exciting. This book has been years and years in the making. And there was a book tour planned. And now it's like, nothing so she's basically you know asking book clubs to let her you know crash their zoom happy hours and so um i'm really excited about that did you tell her that nobody ever actually reads the book in that book club <laughs> yeah but this time we're going to <laughs> well I, i'm just happy when you said that, that it's a book written by by a former colleague of yours i'm just happy you didn't say that pat crowley had written a book so well that would be a really interesting book <laughs> 
I'm not sure. And I really like to hear more about, you know, the tales from Crowley's um, Irish bar than I would, you know, his reporting adventures. Yeah, I'll just say, I'm not sure what, what that book would, would, would encompass, but uh, <laughs> uh, what about uh, uh, either music or podcasts? So what, what, is, what have you been listening to? Uh, no podcasts. That was a thing I, I did a lot when I would drive the kids to and from their little Montessori program, but I just, uh, I haven't really found the, the best opportunities to listen to podcasts, but um, we listen to a lot of music around here. Um, I put together the most asinine podcast. Like there is something for everyone, not, not podcast, I'm sorry, playlist. There's something for everyone to hate on this podcast uh, playlist. Um, it, it, I, I truly have like a bizarre taste in music. I mean, this podcast has a playlist has, um, everything from classic rock, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash, um, to, uh, some hip hop, uh, Hendrick Floyd, the Lexington artist and, uh, server at West six. Uh, he's got some, some good tracks to some, some hard rock, Jane's addiction. What Adela? <laughs> okay soon uh to to the golden girls theme song so something for everybody to hate on this um in this little spotify list that i put together with <laughs> well excellent what's what's your spotify people want to want to follow you and listen to it what is it it's just my name stephanie stites or holsher all right well, there you go people you can you can follow stephanie i, I know one other thing you've been doing a lot you've been doing a lot of cooking so what, uh, what, what have been, what's your favorite recipes you've tried out? Yeah, you know, we went to Jamaica last spring. We brought back some good um, Jamaican seasonings and sauces. And uh, so uh, been doing some J Jamaican jerk chicken on the grill and we've had some, some nice nights and I whip up some uh, pina coladas for us. And uh, for anybody that remembers Atomic Cafe in Lexington, oh, yeah. uh, we do some sweet potato chips with their mayo, hot sauce, and caper uh, for dipping. Um, do a lot of Italian comfort food. I've been doing a lot of comfort food. We'll, we'll make a night out of it, you know. Let's make Italian, throw on some Italian dinner music, Sinatra, open some wine. We'll do Mexican and margaritas. Try to, try to make it fun. I, I don't know why. I've just all of a sudden started eating a whole lot more fried shrimp just randomly. <laughs> I mean, we even made, we made homemade fish and chips and homemade tartar sauce a couple weeks ago, which is amazingly easy and really good. Yeah, Stephanie, you know, my wife's uh, palate of things that she will, she will eat is so limited that it, No uh, white condiments. No, yeah, Tom, that's one, one thing. She, my wife will not eat any white condiments, just <clears throat> carte blanche, doesn't matter what it is, that, n nothing, it's the condiment, it's white, she will not, she will not eat it. But, I so mean, like tartar sauce, mayo, no, no. ranch, ranch, sour no. cream, ranch. sour cream, uh, <laughs> cottage cheese, any, uh, cream cheese, nothing white. Uh, she also will not eat. Uh, she, she blames it on going to gross anatomy class. She will not eat any meat. It's it's that's on the bone. She can't have anything with the so like no chicken breast, the bone, and anything like that. Uh, she also like if a chicken once wandered through a a, a puddle. She won't eat that. Like that's how much she hates anything seafood related. Like and anything, anything that even once touched water, she won't eat. Uh, it's her her version of seafood. So it's, it's a very limited, uh, very limited uh, uh, 
options to cook over here for both of us. So there's a lot of nights I'll end up making some one thing for her and then have a completely separate meal for me. And then she'll be like, well, why didn't you cook me something fancy? Like, well, if you eat something beyond chicken right. breast and, and, uh, and spaghetti, then maybe I would cook you something. <laughs> oh, Trey. And I, I have to tell you, Trey, ever since uh, you cooked breakfast for me and Tom a couple months ago, that was so good. And I've been like doing a version of that myself, like once a week with the chorizo and hash browns and cheese and eggs. So I, good. I, I had a hash yesterday, uh, some hash browns, chorizo, some onion, a uh, couple of the tomato, the Roma tomatoes sliced up with some cheese on top of it and then crack an egg on it and throw it in the, in the oven for about, uh, about eight or nine minutes and uh, get the yolk all over it. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> Stephanie's got streaming toddlers on her. Tom, what what about you, man? You 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 been getting any good? Uh, I know you're you're a, a takeout fan. Getting been getting anything good here the last uh, last week or so? Um, trying to think. I, nothing jumps to to mind right now. I mean, pretty much if I can catch it or drink it, it's it's in play. Um, <laughs> I've run out of. I'm trying to think if I've had anything that was like new and novel. Um, did actually did La Rosa's last night for the first time. The uh, uh, Cincinnati favorite, right? I, I mean, I don't. What's what's different about La Rosa's versus any other pizza place? It's totally generic pie, like nothing nothing special about it. But I didn't have to cook it. Well, so. there you go. That's something. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's get to some get to some news, and I guess we'll deal with the, the COVID stuff first. Um, you know, the numbers in Fayette County to me are interesting. We've had 457 cases in Fayette County. Uh, 172 of them have been inmates or staff at the, a lot of people don't know, we have one of the major, one of the main uh, hospitals in the federal prison system is here in Lexington. Um, and uh, they have, have 172 out of the 457 cases in Fayette County are, are, are either inmates or staff out there. And just to kind of show what a good job we've done in Fayette County at keeping the spread down, 29 of the 31 new cases that were announced yesterday were all in the prison. So there's only two outside of the gates of the prison in Fayette County. Uh, you know, I think we, we've talked in the podcast before, you, you can completely skew an entire state's numbers if one infected person walks into a prison or, or nursing home. Because both deaths and in cases, you're just in such close quarters. And especially something like this where it's a prison and a hospital, you know, it one person walks in with it, it's, it's going to spread fast. But, you know, you kind of see, you see a skewing of, of Fayette County's numbers because of that one prison. But it also tells me we've done a good job here. And, you know, I think it probably is time to start venturing out a little bit more in Fayette County because the, you know, we have two cases in the entire county outside of, outside of the, the, the prison hospital. So, you know, I, I think, you know, as far as beginning to reopen things, it's probably about time for Fayette County to, to stick a foot in the water and see what happens. A lot of, lot of rule followers and narcs in, in Fayette County. I mean, you actually see people driving around by themselves in cars wearing their masks, uh, which I, I kind of laugh at as they go by. <laughs> you know, it's... Well, um, and I, I, see, I see reports of people saying, you know, oh, I went to wherever and I only saw like five people wearing a mask. But when I go to Kroger or Lowe's, I only see, I, I'd say 80% of people have masks on, which, you know, is good. Once once again, we've talked about the podcast before. I think that's that's a sign of respect for your neighbors more than anything else. It's just you want people to feel comfortable around you, and so you wear the mask. It seems, yeah. I think the adherence seems better than I ever thought that it would be, honestly. Yeah, and I, I know Steph. You you took your your girls out for the first time, and and they got they had their masks on. How how did they? We we have our masks. The boys on the way. Uh, they're they're being, I guess, in shipping somewhere, but. Uh, 
how did how did they take to uh to uh be a little kids in the masks amazingly well i really was worried about sophia the two and a half year old who um just dances to the beat of her own drum usually but um she she left it on adela i wasn't worried about my almost four-year-old she's she's a rule follower like me and so you know i think Sophia gets it. She's getting a little older and she saw everybody else wearing them and mommy and Adela. So, you know, she would, she would kind of mess with it every now and then, but I mean, I have to stop myself from messing with mine. So, you know, I would just try to, like, every time she would try to fidget with it, I would say, just don't think about it. If it, it's, if it feels funny, just think about something else and, and let's talk about something else. But they left them on, you know, um, through we went to a well check appointment at their pediatrician's office and then we went to costco and costco has a very strict you don't get in i mean you don't get into costco if you don't have a mask on period so i mean it was a hundred percent compliance in costco um so yeah they i mean we were in costco for probably an hour and they left them on the whole time yeah well i well, guess we'll probably have to try one of those adventures soon. I know Finn has a has a well well check coming up since his birthday's in May, but uh, you know that they have not. Uh, I think they've taken. We went to the McDonald's drive-through once, and we went to go pick up uh, medals for running a, a, a virtual Laura and a virtual half marathon. We had to go pick up her medal, and uh, those are the only two times that the boys have, have left the property in a vehicle. I guess they, they've left on walks around the neighborhood, but that's the only two times they've actually yeah. left the neighborhood since all this started. So yep. Yeah, I've been to my my venture into the Costco yesterday was the first time I had been inside of a grocery in two months. Uh, wow! We've done, really? We, yeah, we've done uh, shipped. Uh, so I have either Meyer or Target delivered, or I do curbside, curbside liquor barn express. I mean, and I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing. Like I'll never go back. I mean, <laughs> I, I still like to go into Target. I miss going into Target and I haven't let myself, but you know, this liquor barn express curbside pickup, I hope that sticks around. Uh, Cause you know, when you got two kids in car seats, it's a pain in the neck to have to unstrap them, take them into a, like a liquor store, which I really don't want to do. Uh, and then like, Oh, look at all the glass bottles at eye level, you know, like that's just <laughs> a disaster waiting to happen. So um, I'm loving the curbside. I mean, I've done curbside takeout. We did curbside, picked up curbside landscaping materials from Wilson's and Mickler's online pre-order or phone orders. Um, you know, the only place I, the only establishment I went in by myself was Mirror Twin to pick up a pizza. Uh, but other than that, I hadn't stepped foot in uh, Lowe's or Kroger or anything. That's my, my wife I was gonna say, have y'all been like when kids were little and maybe you were going to go to the, the liquor barn and had the kid in the, in the cart or whatever. And like, right at that moment when you pull up and you see the sign that says like no one under 21, it, did, <laughs> it had like this moment of terror, like, Oh spit, can I go in here now? Like, right. I, I've had that happen. I was like, well, can I do it? Can I do it? Come on. We're, we're going to do it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I know what the rules are on that. So yeah. Yeah. I don't either. I just, no, I mean, you, you, you can be, if, I think it's, it can't be like an unaccompanied minor. Like you can, okay, yeah. As long as you're you're a parent there with your with your kids, but you, know, you can't be. And like the beer there. trap, the beer trap was complicated, right? As you know, Trey. I mean, you could you could take your kid in if you were just going to strictly go and buy packaged and 
get yeah. it and leave, but you couldn't hang out and have a draft with your kid there. Yeah, because the beer trap's in this weird in-between spot yeah. where they're they're a liquor they're they're technically a bottle shop with a tasting room, and so yeah, yeah so you you have to be twenty one to be in there to like hang out. You can go in and purchase with the kids and, and leave, or you do what we used to always do and just you know sit outside on, on the on the sidewalk on the tables and yeah, had the kid in the stroller or whatever. Uh, you know, Stephanie, you know, my wife's very much an introvert and I'm very much not. So we were discussing last night. She's like, I'm. I'm fine with this. I can keep going like this forever. I have no, I have no problem <laughs> having having this be the situation for 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 time eternal. I'm like, not me. I gotta, I gotta get out and do stuff. So I learned something about myself through this, which was interesting. I am not an extrovert, and I thought that I was. Uh, as it turns out, I've I've actually quite liked it myself. Um, I don't even want to do like Zoom happy hours. I think they're awkward and. I don't know. There's something about it that I just, I just don't want to participate. I'd rather just pick up the phone and call a friend and have a beer while I'm doing that. But, you know, I've actually really enjoyed this, watched spring come up. I've never really just really taken it in, you know, in my backyard. And uh, now it's a different ball game. I mean, this whole, like, the pool's not opening this summer has been a big blow to me. And uh, I'm a huge summer person. I was a summer baby at summer's always been my favorite season. I'm sort of probably in the minority on that. Um, uh, so I'm kind of, I've been in a panic for about the last 10 days trying to figure, and I understand why, you know, uh, they're doing it, but I also am in a panic over like, how am I going to continue to entertain these two kids when it's, you know, it's one thing when it's, you know, 65 and sunny and we can play outside and ride bikes and scooters all day. But what are we going to do when it's 95 by 10 AM, you know, and there's mosquitoes and it's just, I'm, I'm really kind of like, Oh no, I'm kind of in a panic about that. So, so you're telling uh, me I should put a lock on the back gate. You know, I'm telling you, we, we can make some arrangements here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, sp speaking of kids and what to do with them during the summer, uh, there's there's a rumor going around Lexington. I don't know if you heard that, that maybe and this is, I guess, multiple school boards across the country kind of been eyeing this and, and potentially reopening schools in July. Yep. But with uh, a whole weird list of, of different recommendations, uh, I, the one I've got, uh, looking at right now that since since everybody before we we hopped on is from the uh, Missouri school uh, school board association but I, my understanding is pretty much every state's got a very similar list um and it's I, I just don't know how it's gonna work it's like the first one on the list is scheduled grade levels to attend school on alternate days and minimize number of students in the building and give students take home meals alternatively schedule half of each class to attend school on alternate days like you know i I had two issues with that one kids, anybody learning anything, you, you need to get into a rhythm, you need to get into a, in, in, into a schedule, into a habit, you know, how's that going to work if, if they're either going every other day, or I think another proposal foot around Fayette County is to, is to be open for a week, you know, or to have half, half the school go one week, and half the school go the next week, like, how does that work, and also, you know, parents, as far as I know, parents' jobs don't only let you, you know, make you work on alternate days or alternate weeks, so, it has a whole nother set of problems with, with some of these proposals. You know, I don't know that it, it's going to be an, an interesting 
thing to see what they come up with to do it. I mean, they obviously need to reopen the schools. Kids have to get back to learning. But, you know, I don't know how you do the alternate, the alternate thing and, and manage it kind of societally. You know, it, at night, I find wisdom sometimes. I don't know exactly what that's from. It could, could have something to do with special Kentucky brown water. It's, it's brown. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been keeping a list when I have these profound moments. Of, and I think I'm up to 10 items that I think are things that could change as a result of the big COVID-19. Um, and one of those that I came up with pretty early on was, do we need to go to a year-round school calendar? Because just sticking with this old, you know, kind of agrarian-based calendar doesn't make sense anymore. So you think right now, right, like, uh, depending on who you are, your kids stop going to school when? March? You were take in of March? May. Well, I was thinking when, like, when did your kids have their last instructional day oh, in a yeah, classroom? It, oh, yeah, March. Mid-March. Mid-March. So you're talking, okay, so say April, May, June, October. I mean, you know, you're talking five months without actually being in a classroom. It's just too long. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to have that big lag. So what, I'm not saying that maybe we still don't have schools that shut down for July and some of that, but maybe it's more like the European model where everybody takes like an August as a, it's an off month. You just shut down. And so we have, we have like week break, two week breaks at, you know, kind of the Christmas holidays and then the winter and spring and stuff like that. But we just don't have that big kind of two and a half, three month break anymore in the summer. And, and there are school systems around the country that, that do, that, that use that as a, as their, as their schedule. Yeah, I, well, Franklin, doesn't Franklin County, doesn't like, uh, like Frankfurt schools, I, I, I think I they are more on like maybe. an almost a year round. I, I'll look while we're talking if there's any schools in Kentucky that do it. You know, there, there's there's pros and cons to obviously to, to all of it. There, you know, there's there's actually a school budgetary issues with going to school during the summer, which is you got you got to cool that place, and that costs yeah. you know that costs money. I know when Damon Thayer had his had his bill that wouldn't let school start before Labor Day and, and it had to end at Memorial Day. One of the budget notes in there was the amount of money that they would save on uh. On, on energy, uh, just because you wouldn't have to, you were cutting a few months off the the high <laughs> impact uh, uh, air conditioning use during during. The- well, and all those buildings are so old, and some of them probably don't even have decent functioning air conditioners. Yeah. Um, I've, like I, the I, I can recall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can I can recall in the past, uh, even in August, having uh, seeing schools have to shut down for a couple of days because air conditioner in a, one of the big schools didn't work. And I mean, you just simply can't have kids in, in a classroom like that. So, um, yeah, I will say it was a bipartisan. I actually, um, I loved, uh, Damon Thayer's bill. Again, I'm a big summer person. I hate what, uh, the going back to school thing does to the pools. <laughs> Stephanie, Stephanie's daughter wants her moment in the sun. She's she's got opinions. Wants to voice them. <laughs> just like just like your mom. <laughs> she is so socially deprived. My kid. I mean, she talked the pediatrician's ear off. It was hilarious. We our regular babysitter can't can't babysit for next week, so she she's. Brought in, brought in a sub and trained train it or, or replaced it for the next week. And the fir- first thing in the door was, was Finn was like, oh, I got somebody new to show my Legos too. So he had to take her all the way around the house to, to show off all of his new Legos he's built over the, uh, over the, the stay-at-home period. 
Um, but yeah, you know, the school, school stuff, it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of list of things. Like some of these suggestions, some of them are, are very workable depending on the time of the year. Move classes outdoors, rearrange desks, uh, face desks in the same direction. You know, don't have people sitting at tables where they're facing each other. Uh, but some of them are kind of ridiculous, like get rid of all recess, no performances or, or games. Uh, you know, some of them just are, are unworkable, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the schools come up with. Um, kind of moving on to the next topic, uh, not quite as, as interesting. Uh, unemployment numbers are at, and we're up to 36% of the entire Kentucky workforce has filed for unemployment in the last eight weeks. Another 3 million nationally filed uh, over the last week. Uh, yeah, I don't think this this reopening can come fast enough. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm hearing from a lot of people that they think that some of the reopening stuff is designed basically to get some of these people off the state and federal dime to where you're no longer forced to be closed. Uh, there's a whole heap of obstacles you have to jump over to open. But if the government's saying here, here you can be open here's what you have to do but you choose not to do it and to stay closed for the health purposes of your of your customers and your employees now that unemployment payment goes back onto your unemployment insurance rather than the state so you know i don't know how much of this stuff uh, some of the some of the opening i think has less to do with let's get the economy up and going and more to do with let's get these people off the off the government unemployment and onto onto private unemployment insurance Stephanie, you're on mute, my friend. <laughs> what I've been saying is, you know, when you look at the restaurant situation, especially, I mean, it's it's a field of dreams. It's not field of dreams. It's not if you open it, they will come. Um, you know, I think that there's certain people that are going to race out. I know certain people that will. Uh, I'm not going to be among them who, uh, the, the group that races out to go sit inside of a confined restaurant. Now, if there's cafe style tab tables outside, Sure, but um, you know, I, I think if numbers are still high and they climb, you know, you're just, I mean, I, I read an excellent, um, uh, it was a research study shared to me by a PhD in public health, a friend of mine, uh, uh, a study that, an economic study that had been done after it, it looked at the Spanish, um, you know, flu pandemic of 1918 and, and the economy didn't just bounce back when they opened it prematurely in, in Pittsburgh, it, it, it didn't, it actually, it lagged. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if the recovery is going to be even, um, you know, I think some things will, will do better. It's like anything else in this, you know, it's, it's going to, it's trial and error and figure out what works. I mean, I cannot see myself racing to sit in a bar. I mean, you've seen in South Korea, you know, uh, resurgence in cases almost singularly due to nightclubs um so yeah i don't i don't know what this is going to look like and, and yeah I, what's I, that old joke mom always said nothing good happens after midnight yeah my grandma always used to say that <laughs> yeah 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 it, yeah one thing i'm hearing from from restaurant people um we we got it actually explicitly in writing from our kids daycare that they are getting zero guidance from the state like literally the only thing they know is what they have heard on the, at the five o'clock press conference. They're getting no guidance, no help from the state on, on what exactly some of this stuff means. Like, you know, I got a question, outdoor dining. So if I'm the bear and the butcher or if I'm cocktails too, and I've got the garage door style fronts that can open up, is my entire first floor now outdoor dining? Yeah. I, yep. I, I don't Excellent. know. Like, does it have to, 
hit sunshine in order to be considered outdoor or not. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what that means. And, you know, the, the child care people, they have no idea what any of these, the, the guidance they've been given means. They're, they're just trying to, you know, put plans in place based on multiple scenarios at this point. Uh, so it, it's, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big undertaking. I continue to believe that as we've talked about multiple times on here, Tom, Andy Bashir is, is, is understaffed and for whatever reason, not taking enough outside advice and leaning on enough other people to help him do some of this stuff. He's, he's, he's entirely internalized inside his team. And it's just, it's, you can't, you can't he doesn't have enough bodies to do it. Even if he was fully staffed, I don't think he'd have enough bodies to do it. He's going to need help and not allowing the legislature to help at all, not, you know, going and forming some sort of outside team or, 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 committee yeah. or something. It's just, I think it's a mistake and it's going to slow everything down. Uh, trying to come up with answers to every possible situation. You had a, uh, I thought a, a pretty sharp tweet the other day, Trey, that was uh, looking at two different establishments here in, in Lexington across from each other. One is a, a bar restaurant and the other is a bar. Um, clientele is largely the same. Sizes are largely the same. One is able to open, one isn't. Um, you're, you're, you're creeping up on procedural due process issues where you're not going to be able to distinguish what the difference is between one and the other as long as they abide by, you know, the, the so-called guidelines. Well, um, like when, so it, when, I think when people challenge it, that, that Andy will end up losing on those. It, it just trying to come up with a – it's almost like we're kind of using the magic eight ball. So we take the magic eight ball, we shake it up really good and look at it. Okay, like, <laughs> yeah, like – Okay, so the 33% rule, I've seen 33, I think Texas has 25 on their restaurant. Okay, I mean, is there something that's backing that up that I haven't seen out there? Is it just kind of a guesstimate? Um, there is, up? actually. I read, um, which was shocking to me, about a week ago, it was um, some research that somebody had compiled, so it wasn't just her pontifications it was you know she pulled these studies together and I did see some some data about uh, the restaurants and the proximity to uh, other tables and the longevity and and it was shocking to me that you know two months into this only a week ago was the first time that I had actually read something that gave some concrete information about you know how this thing really transmits, not, oh, it can stay. I mean, because we had heard so much like, you know, hyperbole from the beginning, stuff that's not not true, but things like just because a virus can remain on a surface for 10 hours, doesn't mean if you touch it, you're going to get COVID 100%, right? And, and this study uh, or this, this piece that I had read talked about the virus load, uh, basically, you know, it's it's confined spaces it's it's how long you stand there so i had read in this 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 document you know only about three to five cases or percent of the cases they think have come out of shopping right which is why grocery stores remained open and you didn't see outbreaks based on that because generally speaking if you're in a grocery store you're kind of just, you're, you're, you're grabbing it unless you're, you know, comparing, comparing two bags of flour for 10 minutes, but and you're, generally and you're speaking, you're grabbing it, you're putting it in your, in your cart versus a restaurant. You know, if you look at that, um, the outbreak in Chicago, I believe started after a guy and another guy had a three hour meal together, uh, at a restaurant or at the guy's house. Then one of them went to a funeral and hugged on some people. Then he went to a birthday party and hugged on some more people. Uh, but 
you know, the, the shopping, you know, if you're coming to so restaurants where you're, you're lingering in inside confined spaces, not being able to space those tables out. I think there is some data behind that. It's just, you know, we, we had Judge Mosley from Harlan on a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I, I, I keep going back to people with his point about being in line to pick up fast food and seeing a, a across the street, seeing a closed furniture store and behind it, a Walmart with people carrying mattresses out. And it's like, you know, we have, we have allowed the government to pick winners and losers. You know, the, yeah. the, jo the joke I've been making recently is if I was the furniture store owner, I'd set me up a little stand in the front. I'd go buy a couple of cans of beans and some like, you know, some carrots and I'd price them at like $700 a carrot. And I said, well, I'm a grocery store now. I'm just like Walmart. I, I got produce yeah. for sale, but you know, I got this mattress too. You can buy it. Either that or well, do, do, do it like on eBay where, you know, they used to, used to, if you wanted to sell booze on eBay, you weren't, you weren't buying alcohol. You were buying a, a, a collectible bottle. Yeah. Happened to show up with the alcohol still in it. Oh, so I mean, let's be clear, though. It's a $99 carrot. You get a mattress with it, but it's a $99 yeah. carrot. <laughs> I mean, okay, but here's the thing. First of all, our government has always picked winners and losers. We've never had true, true capitalism. We all know that, right? Look at tax incentives, period. Number two, you know, the whole thing about the local stores, I mean, I don't understand that because they were open. You know, I, I went and picked up a, a little plant with a flower in it. You know, I did my online shopping curbside pickup. So you could always get the, the, the mattress from the mattress store. You know, now you and 50 people couldn't go in there and lay on top of it and try it out and spend, you know, 45 minutes, you know, in a tiny little little shop. But, um, you know, I, 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 I spent money at several local businesses, retail shops, and did curbside, no problem. I think furniture would be a tough one. The furniture you'd want to get in and look at. Like, even, yeah. even seeing it online, you can't really get a concept of how big it is yeah. or, or exactly what color, what shade that is. You almost yeah. you only have to be in the store. I, now, yeah. I do agree. Like, you can't have people laying on the mattresses. That's I'm not a financial yeah. professional, but the stock of the century that has rocketed out of, this, uh, out of the COVID has been Wayfair. Um, oh, sure. Wayfair stock Ugh. tanked. It was down. I, I want to say it was under forty dollars a share. When I checked it yesterday, it was over one hundred and eighty dollars a share. I outfitted the whole, whole room in our house uh, on on wait between Wayfair and Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I won't buy a thing from Wayfair anymore. I've gotten too many like totally pieces of junk items they're, that were not cheap. They're expensive. Yeah, Wayfair is not not a it's not, it's not overstock.com. No. I mean, they're they're selling yeah. Something at the at the high price, but uh, I guess yeah, some I'll, of their stuff is hilarious. Though I mean, they've got like home inflatable hot tubs and stuff. Oh on yeah, there. and mean, like, full, <laughs> like what in the world? Like full saunas and like yeah. sensory deprivation tanks. Yeah, they got some strange stuff. Uh, I guess the, the last news item I got, uh, uh, Tom. It looks like your your business plan is 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 gone away. Uh, the, the the UK field hospital is being taken down. So one less one less thing you can compete against the Lundergans for. Uh, Lundergan's got $6.8 million and not a single person ever, ever, uh, ever laid in the bed at the UK field hospital. Of course, at the same time where UK had um, pretty significant layoffs on their, their healthcare side. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what was in the proposal. Um, the optics on that obviously were not good. Um, one of the things, there was a lot of discussion that took place about, um, whether or not, you know, Jerry Lundergan was actually listed as an owner on it. And it was interesting, you know, they, 
there was some dialogue that went back and forth in the media and it was directed to the secretary of state's office, which showed the ownership structure of the company, which did not have Jerry on there. Um, every company that bids on public procurement in the state that, you know, there's a model procurement code chapter 45 of the Kentucky revised statutes, but within there, there's one section and it specifically has a provision where you have to do, I think it's an affidavit that says that you have not violated an election finance law. So I think that was one of the reasons they were so quick to draw that in there and show that, Oh no, 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 no. Jerry doesn't own any of it anymore. Um, <laughs> because if so, I mean, it's a straight up violation and you know, there's, there, you can be banned for a certain period and whatever else. It, there's not, unfortunately in my estimation from things that I saw, I, I don't think there's nearly enough teeth in those sections, but um, there's not really know. enough teeth in any of our no. ethics laws, but that's, that's a whole, that, no. that's a whole other podcast right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess moving on to some of the, some of the non uh, COVID news, uh, Louisville is in the media nationally and not for good reasons uh, with the uh, case of Brianna Taylor, who was uh, uh, killed by police officers using a no-knock warrant. Uh, there are multiple stories coming out of the police officers on, on what happened that evening. Uh, you know, the only thing we really know for sure is that a, a young woman is, is dead and there's a large investigation going on. Uh, I saw you know, Philip Bailey had kind of a, a little bit funny tweet that said, you know, Louisville Metro Police, get ready for your moment in the spotlight. Because uh, you've got everybody, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, you've got some of the national civil rights attorneys who, who handle these sorts of cases coming in. I mean, this is going to be, it's going to be a national story for a while for Louisville, I think. There's a lot of troubling uh, parts of this story to me. Um, you know, I've seen no good explanation as to, I mean, this was a planned raid that these cops, um, you know, they had this warrant, but they didn't have their body cameras on. Okay. Gigantic red flag right well, there. And, and to be clear, the, the warrant was having to do with, with a ex-boyfriend still acquaintance of the deceased because two months, two months, not two weeks, not two days, two months before the warrant was executed, they saw him pick up a package at her house. So like, yep. there's a lot of questions. As to well, they had already apprehended the guy that they really wanted. Um, they were in plain clothes. Um, they didn't knock this whole, this is going to bring to light this whole issue of the no knock search warrants. Like, I don't understand. Um, okay. If you're going to do, if, if you think that the, the suspects are, or the people who, who are in the, in the home of this, where you've got the warrant, if they're very, if they're truly dangerous, you wouldn't be plain clothes. You'd have, you know, a somewhat of a SWAT situation, all the perimeters, right? Uh, you, you would do it like that. Um, you'd have your body cameras on, you'd have a, have a plan. If you didn't think they were that dangerous to where you're just going to send two plainclothes officers, but then they don't knock on the door, they just immediately use the battering ram. Uh, and what the lawyers are saying was the, um, the man who shot the officer in the leg did so out of self-defense using stand your ground because they were plainclothes, unmarked cars, yeah, and they in. thought it was an intruder. Yeah. And I just, it's so troubling to me that these standard ground laws just always seem to um, apply to white people, but never to black people. Um, and that's really troubling. But, you know, at the heart of this is, and, and I have this problem 
you know, this, this notion that you can allow a local jurisdiction to investigate itself after an officer involved shooting. I can't believe we're still just having this debate. Like there's no debate, you know, you can't, you can't investigate yourself, right? So I'm, I'm not understanding why other agencies weren't brought in, um, you know, when this happened to, to take a close look at this and, 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 and look at all of the facts surrounding this, that why it has to take, you know, the family of the deceased having to go out and, and you know, hire a high, you know, high powered attorney to get justice. It's, it's, this is terrible. And anytime there's an officer involved shooting another agency uh, that's objective should take a look. I, I, I just have a feel that we're going to, based on things that you hear come out of the Louisville, uh, both things that we hear being politically involved and things you're reading in the press and reading in between some teenagers, I just have a feeling that this thing really is, it becomes a true investigation as it should be. You're going to find some, some relatively noticeable systematic issues inside Louisville Metro Police. Hey, listen, we already know that, okay? Um, you all know my work with um, KSAP and the sexual assault advocacy community. Uh, you know, the, there was a big piece that um, Kentucky Center for Investigative Reporting did last summer that just, you know, just threw me off the, off the edge involving, and, and, I, and this was so horrible for me. It was their handling, their, their somewhat questionable handling of a, of a rape case, right? A woman who was in town at a conference at a hotel and she was raped by a guy and she reported it to police. And there is a photo that made my blood boil of, of a, a police officer touching this victim hours after she's been assaulted. There's blood on the sheets, right? They didn't believe her. Why are you touching? Never touch a victim. I mean, like we, I was so disappointed because we had worked so hard with LMPD. They were actually our poster child for um, wanting to, to, you know, revise how they handled the rape cases, how they looked at the, the backlog cases, you know, doing trauma informed um, uh, responses, you know, having a, having a, a police officer in a uniform with a gun, a male, you know, physically touching a victim hours after she's been assaulted. I mean, you know, and the way they responded to it, uh, to me, already signaled that there were major institutional problems over there. So I hope that it, that it gets sorted out. Yeah, we'll see. That, you know, I think that, that's going to be a, a story to monitor. Uh, one more story, two more stories to get to. I got one more that I've gotten, and I know Tom has one that he wants to get to. Uh, I, and I had a problem with this when they first announced it. I just I thought somebody's going to sue over this thing. Is you know Fayette County has uh, was supposed to start teaching this coming fall a a K through eight a girls only STEM school. And the minute they announced it, I thought, how on earth are they going to get 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 away with this thing? Now I understand that there there have been long time systematic issues that uh, maybe prevented or dissuaded or harmed. Uh, you know, younger girls in, in, in excelling or, or being accepted into other STEM uh, programs, you know, accelerated classes, get to an honored school, you know, what, whatever. You know, I don't think you can solve the problem by denying other people uh, an opportunity. Like, that's not, that's not a good solution to, to say, oh, we're going to give, because we, we denied, because we denied you in the past, we're now going to de deny other people. And there's a, there's a guy, I, I guess he, he's, he filed a hundred, sounds like he filed 130 different Title IX complaints across the country in the last year. 
about yeah, it looks like about a fifth of them he ended up winning, uh, and there were substantial uh, changes made. But he's he's the one who's filed this complaint. I guess he's also got one filed against the girls only uh, STEM summer program at UK. Uh, but yeah, I had a, I had an issue when I first saw that school created. I thought there's, there's no way that somebody's not going to sue over this. Oh, I, you know, it's funny. I um, I had the same thought actually when I saw this announced. I, I just I couldn't believe as a liberal. Okay, I cannot believe in the year 2020. You know, when we are um, trying to move toward a place of intersectionality of of you know gender and sexual identity fluidity letting people choose their pronouns that 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 in the year 2020 we're going to open a gender based public, public school, school? <laughs> i i just don't i mean what I, I wouldn't send my girls to it um even if it was the best school in town just because what if one of my daughters uh you know starts to you know uh, look at, question her, you know, gender or sexual identity and isn't sure if she wants to identify in that sort of, uh, you know, traditional term, like, is that, that's just, I just, I cannot understand for the life of me how in 2020 we are still opening gender-based public schools. I just don't, I don't see it happening. I'm working on my uh, my breathing exercises right now so that my head doesn't explode and come completely off my body. So we got Fayette County right who passed that tax increase. Was it last year, Trey? No, last year they actually, two, they actually stopped it. Two years ago okay. they passed one. Okay. So what's crazy? Here's the craziest thing about this. Okay, and this this goes right to the to the why Manny Cock is still superintendent. Okay, how has this gotten this far? We're literally talking about opening this thing in August with everything else that's going on. And we've made it this far and nobody else has thrown out the red flag yet. It's not going to happen and it shouldn't happen. It's, it's, yep. it's absurd. And this is one of the reasons, I mean, it is a tremendous sacrifice for my family and I wish that other people had the same opportunity that I have, but Lizzie goes to private school here in Fayette County. I would say I, th I think the public schools in Fayette County are. If we lived in another county, you know, there's a high likelihood we'd be sending our boys to, to, uh, to, to private school. I do think that their Fayette County does a good job of fairly early in the education life, beginning to section off gifted and talented kids into different different areas. Now, my oldest is going to be in those programs. I mean, he is he's a freaking genius. Of uh, the three year old, you know, he may end up being a plumber. Who knows? He's he's <coughs> Yeah, he. We we can't tell how how smart he is because he won't he won't give you an answer. Like he he literally we know he knows things and he refuses to give you the right answer because he thinks it's funny. So yeah, we don't know how smart he is, but uh, you know at least <laughs> the, the oldest will go will be in will be in those gift and talent programs. But you know, Tom, if you're not sectioned off into those gift and talent programs, and yeah, you know it's you you, ha you have to make that decision because it's just. There's a lot of attention paid to the gifted and talented and everybody else just kind of treads water. Well, you look at a lot of the recommendations that are now coming out about what school will look like in a COVID-19 or I guess really a COVID-20, right, environment. Um, a lot of those things are things that the private schools, they have adapted to already. They have done more effectively. Probably the biggest reason is just controlling class size. I mean, that is, to me, that is the, the number one factor in the opportunity that my daughter has. She has a, a very... Uh, 
uh, an extremely good student teacher ratio. She, the, the, the opportunity to read on a regular basis, a daily basis, in fact, and where these things are challenges. I, I just, it's, it is a huge sacrifice and it's one that I, um, it's, it's a big check and I feel really good about making it. So, and I wish everybody had the same, the same opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I think Fayette County's got some great public schools, but it's also got some schools that don't perform well. And I mean, guys, it's really, all you got to do is go and look at the, the zip code where they are. I mean, we see that breakdown. I'll say that I would not have excelled very well in what's going to end up being the, the COVID post COVID schooling era, because I, you know, I'm somebody who, I wasn't a big school person. I did I did not do well in school to start with, but I needed I mean to, to get the grades I did get. I needed teachers on my on my butt about it. I needed to be in situations where I had more interpersonal instruction and, and teachers who had more time, you know, who had time to care about what I was doing. And you know, when you're doing stuff through Zoom or or you know, I, I, I was not a self-starting learner. Let's put it that way. I, I would not have done well in what it, with the, what, whatever this new landscape of school is going to look like. What's Fayette County Public School Superintendent making right now? In excess, in excess of two fifty? I have no idea. I had to look that up. I'll look it up for the the next go round because I'm going to bet that that's an awfully high paid. Um, to me, in the public sector, like you get up to that point where you're making over two hundred grand a year at these levels with the challenges that we have, I consider it Roger Goodell money. I mean, <laughs> like you got no opportunity to screw up when you're making that level of cash, and I don't think we're getting return on investment. I, look, I will say, you know, in, in somewhat defense of it, look, I, I think they did it in response to data. They looked at the data and saw that there were some discrepancies, uh, but I think that it was the wrong uh, type of solution. I mean, this this traditional binary, gender it's, binary. It's well intended. It's just poorly executed. It, it's well intended, and it just doesn't, it doesn't make <laughs> sense in 2020 where we're going um, with gender and sexual identity politics. I just can't believe that that we have found yet another area for bipartisan agreement. <laughs> uh, well, you know, Stephanie, pe- people, people always, people always are, are intrigued by some of my personal relationships. And I, I think, I think you, you were when we first met that like, Oh wait, I can sit down <laughs> and like have a beer and we can actually talk real things and we can agree on stuff. But <laughs> It's fun. Yeah. That's, that's way, that's way this stuff's supposed to work. Uh, I guess last- yeah, it breaks down at about three beers. One beer, it works pretty well. <laughs> like three beers, it's like, eh. Yeah. But let's 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 get to uh, not not a Tom with sports. Uh, we got two two sports stories we'll wrap up with. Uh, first, uh, horse racing is back in the horse racing capital of the world, Tom. Uh, yeah, I think that's really huge. Great opportunity for Kentucky to shine right now. And and man, there are all these horses. They need opportunities to train and run. And um, I'm glad to see that Churchill's been given that opportunity it provides jobs provides tax revenue through the through the handle i mean it's you know at a time when our state is is hemorrhaging cash you know it's it's uh it's it's a good thing and and tom i know you're excited that nascar is is, uh yeah darlington this weekend so i think it's another opportunity for a sport that has um has has seen tougher times in in recent years i think it's a great opportunity for them to go out and put on their best face what's crazy about it too right so there's no practices there's no warm-ups there's no like setting the car or doing any of that stuff it's literally they're going to go out there turn the thing on and go (laughs) so the only thing that would make it better is if there were actually stock cars and stock car racing so they had like camrys and whatever else out there um yeah i think it'll be fun have you anything about sparta uh, about the, the situation with that race? I have seen 
NASCAR has announced that they are going to eliminate a number of, I want to say it's six races this year. I shouldn't say that on here, but, um, and I have seen different message boards that have suggested that Sparta is one of the tracks, but nobody knows at this point. Um, Obviously that would be a big hit and so much the different things that have been presented on NASCAR, the way they can run a race without having the fans in attendance, the TV crews and the number of staff there at, I don't know. It's just got to be devastating their business model for all the secondary attributes that don't, you know, there's nobody there. You don't have the campers and the RVs and the part of that's a big part of the experience and the fan base. So it'll be a challenge. (laughs) Huge. Yeah. Huge numbers. And before we go on to Stephanie, you want to talk a little bit about the kind of situation with state and federal uh, budgets and, and, and stimulus and kind of how some of that's going to play as we move towards looking like another COVID uh, relief package. Well, my gosh, I mean, these unemployment numbers out today really just speak to this, you know, I mean, and we've never seen unemployment levels like this since the Great Depression in Kentucky. Uh, You know, these, I think the most shocking number that I have seen in two months was, was the, the projection that our revenue, state revenue this quarter is going to take a 25% hit. Now, I was a reporter back in 2008 when the economy collapsed, and I know what it was like in state uh, government trying to figure out, you know, how to deal with it. The cut, after we did the low-hanging fruit of the, the alcohol and tobacco tax in 2008, we really only ended up having to, to take a 5% hit in revenue. Um, so when you compare that to 25%, especially after we know, you know, we, we have never restored, uh, fully restored the spending in state government. And some of it we didn't need to, uh, right? But, but we trimmed the fat. And I, I just, I mean, that number alone, 25% one quarter, there's no way we survive this without going into a deep Great Depression without uh, the state and local government bailouts that that are required in the federal uh, stimulus. I mean, you know, we can talk about how much we hate, you know, the DMV and and, and bureaucrats, but I mean, my God, uh, we've heard from law enforcement prosecutors. I know I was given LMPD a hard time earlier, um, but, you know, law enforcement prosecutors, jails, prisons, you know, these people that are out there every day, by the way, during this, this COVID-19, putting their lives on the line, these people, these jail guards, these prison guards who have to go to work every day, um, risking their lives, contracting this virus. I think we've had deaths in Kentucky of jail or prison uh, guards. I mean, uh, I know we have a, sing- at a Western, at a Western, uh, or a Green River rather. You will have, you will have to see cuts. We're not just going to cut bureaucrats, okay? 25% cut in revenue uh, is a deep cut to public uh, safety uh, officers, to prosecutors, to I mean, widespread across the board, and we just can't bear that kind of pain. So I think we're going to see the stimulus um, bail states out. You know, we can we can talk about what that means for pensions another day. I don't think it means diddly, but I also want to point out that you know this notion that that state workers should should share in the sacrifice. Um, it's such a shoot yourself in the foot statement. You know, when you consider that most state employees, they don't make a a significant ton of money outside of some top level, you know, cabinet secretaries, superintendents, right? 
But most of those people circulate most of their paycheck back into their local economies. So, so you can talk about furloughing and, and, and laying off uh, government workers to share in the sacrifice that private sector workers are making, but that just leads to less ability for those people to spend money to provide for their families. Because I don't know about the rest of you, but if I had to sit down at the kitchen table with my husband and cut 25% of our spending, it would, it would start to get painful. I, I, so I just one of the things that's interesting about that, right, is so the state budget director put out that letter, said that you know, for the remainder of the year, they want everybody to cut 1% of their budget. And, and, and one of the things- Don't tell was, anybody what you're doing. Hey, don't tell anybody, <laughs> put, put uh, you know, confidential. Um, one of the things that's tough about that is it, it doesn't get to, it, it, one, it's, it's the easy way to approach it. You say 1%, okay, so then everybody can look at it in their organizational unit, but it doesn't rank the functions. And we intentionally tried to take some of that on in the last administration and say, okay, we're going to try to quantify this list. So let's say there's 328 programs. We're going to try to put it in a hierarchy at some level. So this is our most important function. This is our least important function instead of saying, because let's be honest, I mean, maybe what was happening at personnel wasn't as important as what was happening at the Cabinet for Health and Family Services. But if you just say the easy way to do this is just you're going to do your 1%, you're going to do your 1%. And that's a big challenge. Now, one of the things that's tied it very directly into this is, is there an opportunity to do some sort of, um, you know, liability protection on this? So like right now we have a big, basically if you go back to work and you get COVID-19, one, how do you attribute that you got it while at work? But also is it, is it a worker's comp injury, right? Like how do you get covered? How do you get healthcare? What's, what's the procedure there? And I think, um, you know, the U S Senate has said that to take the, or the Republican majority has said it to take the next step. If you want to look at an additional bailout, there's going to have to be some sort of cap on this so that people can go back to work. And so that's going to be the balancing point. I mean, you there's know, going to be a bailout. Uh, you know, I think the speaker's going to cave in on, um, the liability, um, issue. And, and I think McConnell is smart enough to know, like, you can't not bail out the states. I mean, you know, you can talk about, you know, conservatives who are, you know, let's drown baby in the bathtub. But, you know, when you start having to, to look at the faces of the FOP and your firefighters association in an election year, yeah, that's going to look a little different. I, I just hope that whatever they, they, they put out has very strict guidelines on what you can do for it. I, I saw a report that Alabama is, they got a bunch of money for the, for the previous packages they're looking at taking 200 million of it to build a new state house. Like that's, that's ridiculous. And then, you know, there's, and there's states like Kentucky, like New Jersey, like California that made poor decisions in the past. This should not be about bailing up the states. It should be about getting you back to pre COVID problems. Like, of you course. Know, that, that, so I hope, I hope that there are a lot of restrictions and instructions on how this money can be spent. And it's not just, Hey, here's, here's, a, here's a check of cash. You know, it, there needs to be guidance. It can't just be a flat, you know, we're, we're straight bailing the states out. Um, well, I think that's, uh, we went a little bit longer than normal, but uh, I think we had good conversation. I know, Stephanie, you've got the girls itching to get outside and play a little bit. And Tom, I'm sure there's a fish somewhere that's got to be caught. Yeah. Yeah, there probably is. I don't see me getting to it. I've, uh, but yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Stephanie, thanks for being on with us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, as always, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream your podcasts. If you get us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a review. 
And uh, we'll be back with you next Tuesday, actually, with uh, Secretary of State Mike Adams to talk about election reform. And uh, we'll be back next time on Kentucky Politics Weekly.